0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: HRN has a brand new look, but we're sharing the same delicious stories. Invest in the future of Food Radio by becoming a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate.
2: This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte. An iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comte-usa.com. That's comte-usa.com.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Card. I'm your guest host, Carlos Jeskas. I'm so excited for today's show. Today, we will talk about cheese skills and support networks for small cheese producers. In the previous two episodes, we have talked to cheese professionals supporting education and growth in the cheesemonger community. Today, we will be talking about some of the resources that were created during the pandemic to support small producers in the U.S., For today's episode, I bring you two people who I spend most of the time during the pandemic talking to and working with to figure out how to support cheese guilds around the U.S. We have with us today Katie Ray and Kelsey Parson. Katie is executive director of the Oregon Cheese Guild, and Kelsey is category manager for deli cheese for Sovis, a national grocery chain in Canada, and co-leader of the Southern Ontario Cheese Guild. Welcome to the show, guys.
4: Hi,
3: Thank you so much. Hello, they are also both volunteers of the GIL Outreach Committee of the ACS and work diligently during the pandemic, connecting resources to organizations and fostering a network of guild leaders. Let me start with Katie. We're going to jump right in because we have a lot of things to cover and we don't have much time, but here we go. Um, hello, Katie. Um, Hi, Carlos. Could we start by you introducing yourself to our listeners, telling us what you do, how, what's your work in the industry?
5: Yeah, my name is Katie Bray and I'm the executive director of the Oregon Cheese Guild. We're the industry association that represents our 20 artisan cheesemakers here in the state of Oregon.
3: Wonderful. And what was your biggest challenge for your organization before the pandemic?
5: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say that the greatest challenge for our organization, well, I mean, you know, being in the nonprofit world, fundraising is always, um, is always a thing. We could always use more resources financially to do all the projects that we want to do.
3: That's right. Um,
5: <laughs> along those lines, I would say just making sure that we, are doing activities that serve the broad range of our membership. So we have everything from um, one of our most prominent producers is Tillamook, um, all the way down to little teeny tiny micro creameries who sell everything that they make at one farmer's market once a week. So finding kinds of marketing activities and and promotions to get the word out about Oregon artisan cheese, um, it's not a one size fits all approach. So um, I would say it was a, a challenge, but also a, a very rewarding challenge to try to find programming and activities that, that work for everybody.
3: Right. And so that sort of um, change of sizes is something that a lot of, you know, guilds around the United States have and, you know, is I, I think I remember hearing from a couple of them that that was one of the things that they needed to navigate before the pandemic. Um, but since this is kind of like a pandemic story, and then, you know, what happened during the pandemic so that people know. Um, so what sort of how do you uh, live the beginning of the, the, the pandemic? Um, and, you know, sort of what what steps did your organization take to help your members?
5: Well, the Oregon Cheese Guild was in a very particular position right at the beginning of the very beginning of the pandemic. We actually were set to hold our biggest consumer event and which uh, doubles as our largest fundraising (laughs) event of the year, which is called the Oregon Cheese Festival that takes place at Rowe Creamery in Southern Oregon. It was slated to happen on March 14th and 15th. So we saw this thing coming down the tracks a few weeks out and we were just living day to day. Are we, or aren't we the way, you know, to be or not to be, is the festival going to happen? And in the end, we ended up having to pull the plug on it just two days before it was set to get going. So it was a lot of quick steps um, as far as that particular event was concerned. Um, But then it was, uh, finding out what to do with all of the cheese that was destined not only for that event, but for restaurants and food service that was in bulk amounts and a lot of times fresh cheeses, high moisture, and just where all that was going to go so that we wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have to throw away all of that beautiful cheese.
3: Right. Oof. Yeah. And just hearing back again, all that, I I just get this feeling of like, oh my god, this was such a scary moment. Um, but we it was we...
5: terrifying. It was in many ways, it was a relief when we canceled the event, but all, obviously a huge disappointment for everybody involved. But in the end, I, I'm just so glad that you know the Oregon Cheese Festival didn't become a, a super spreader event in those early, <laughs> early terrifying days.
3: Right. No. No kidding. Um, I'm going to jump into Kelsey and, you know, because I want to sort of cover these things that happen and then we can start talking about what this committee that we're talking about uh, was. Um, So, Kelsey, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, What is that you do in the cheese industry?
4: Thanks, Carlos. So I am a category manager for Deli Cheese. I work for Sobeys in Canada and manage cheese for about 425 Sobeys and Safeway stores across the country. So I'm responsible for everything from uh, determining what we carry to how we promote and training staff and and the whole thing. So uh, prior to that, I uh, worked for Sobeys and trained cheesemongers in stores and uh, prior to that i've also worked as a cheesemonger at farmers markets and specialty cheese shops around toronto and also have a background in uh, cheese making so uh, about a year prior to the pandemic uh, i was involved in starting a a local uh, cheese guild for Southern ontario so we've got it's very small very grassroots and we were about one year in right before the pandemic hit, so it's it was a a rough time to uh navigate, but uh you know we had to roll with it as uh, as we learned about the the changing situation related to covid right um very well rounded uh cheese live there um
3: <laughs> where are you based, Kelsey?
4: So I'm personally based out of Stratford, Ontario, which is about two hours west of Toronto, birthplace of Justin Bieber, and also (laughs) home to the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, the the Canadian version.
3: Very cool. Uh... A a worthwhile well place to visit. (laughs) So (laughs) you you really cover a little bit of what you know, sort of what was the biggest challenge at the beginning of the pandemic, or even before the pandemic. And then I just um, you know I don't think we normally hear from from sort of what happened in Canada. So what what sort of actions. You as a retailer and also, you know, helping with this guild that you have put together, um, sort of what was the beginning of that pandemic in, in Canada?
4: So it was very similar to how it was in the U.S. and in the early days, it was all about navigating the uncertainty. Nobody knew what was going to be happening the next week, never mind the next day, and what what would happen to all the cheese that artisan producers had had made. So from from a business perspective, like my life at Sobeys, we doubled down on supporting our local uh, producers, local cheesemakers across the country. But from a guild leader perspective, uh, it was a difficult time for Canadian. Artisan cheese producers. Um, restaurants were shutting down and closing their doors. Uh, so, cheese makers were losing sales because of that. Farmers' markets were closing. In store sampling stopped. And there was a big shift away from bulk in store cut cheese towards pre packed cheese. Nobody wanted to touch something that other people had touched. And there was also a shift away from fresh and soft ripened cheese more towards the aged cheeses people were stocking up and didn't want to go grocery shopping they wanted <laughs> to just buy a lot and sit on it and and save that um and then there was uh, other uh changes too people started cooking at, at home a lot more so people bought a lot of hard cheese parmigiano reggiano gruyere and uh, other cooking cheeses like feta ricotta bocconcini those things so the The early days of the pandemic were just really trying to figure out how to navigate all of these changes and changes to cu- customer shopping habits.
3: Right, big changes, very very sudden, um, and so I think we're here at this moment that I, you know we. I hope that what I achieve here is that. Listeners are at that moment that, you know, we are not knowing what happens and we all wanted to help. And then we all hear the call to help out, right? And that call to help out, specifically, um, there were a lot of things happening around the the U.S. and around the world in the cheese industry. But very specifically, the three of us heard the call from um, a cheesemaker in Oregon at inviting us to join a, a committee. Uh, of the ACS, uh, which didn't really have a name at that time. Uh, but the but the idea was to try to help small cheesemakers and and maybe the way was to sort of connect with the gills um, because a lot of states around the United States and also some places in Canada have cheese gills. And so we heard that call. Um, so that's a little bit of background for everyone. Um, so it is, so, Katie, Kelsey, and I, and of course Sarah Spira, who used to work for the ACS, joined this committee and started working, and so uh, I just want to sort of retell the pe- people listening what was that like, uh, that moment, and so Katie, if you can share with, with us, um, how did you hear, what, what was the call to action that you hear from, from people?
5: Well, I was approached by Vern Caldwell from uh, Folia Farm uh, down in Southern Oregon, who was on the ACS board and, and still is for, uh, at least, I believe a few more weeks. Um, and they had some resources. They were realizing that ACS had some resources that would be useful to cheesemakers uh, really around North America, who were struggling and having a tough time out there, who maybe didn't know how to connect with the rest of the cheesemaking community. And they, They realized that if a lot of those cheesemakers were not members of the national organization, then perhaps and and most likely they were they were members of their regional or statewide organizations. And so they started this group and invited um, invited me and Kelsey and Carlos just to kind of figure out what the universe of small cheesemakers was like out there and what what was the network of guilds available and how could we use all of those guilds as kind of uh spokes on a wheel to to reach all of the those cheesemakers out there and then also in the other direction funnel information from the cheesemakers back to ACS to communicate to them what their needs were and how a national organization could help and support them
3: it was a very exciting, really quick uh, start. And, you know, there were a ton of meetings going into 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 these um, committee meetings that we started to have. Do you have a sort of idea of the short term of, of what you you wanted to achieve, both for your organization and also for the cheesemakers in your state, Katie?
5: Um, as far as with this particular group? Yeah, Yes. Well, so for me, uh, my experience with this network of guild leaders um, through the ACS was had historically been a one hour meeting on the Thursday of the national conference, the ACS conference. They would set aside a breakfast room and about 20 of us guild leaders would gather together and we'd have an hour before. The, the real meat of the conference got started for the day um, in which to go around the room and, and share ideas and um, programs that we had. And it was usually just about enough time for everybody to introduce themselves and talk about maybe one initiative or project that they were working on. And then we'd be done for another year until the next year rolled around. And um, I had talked actually with Anthea Stoltz from the California Artisan Cheesemakers Guild often about this, how how could we use this group more effectively and give more structure to it and really deliver some meaningful content that would be useful for all of these guild leaders? Um, and so this group, this working group that we were all a part of, really presented an opportunity to 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 make that happen, this this idea that we had had that never there wasn't really ever a medium for it, and then all of a sudden, in the world of COVID and Zoom meetings and um, <laughs> people needing to check in with each other and, and have these kind of support and therapy group sessions, we realized this was our chance to to make a meaningful organization out of out of this really loose network.
3: Yeah it was it was very exciting to to have those meetings and also you know to start putting things together and and having those early meetings. We're going to cover that next uh, but I want to jump um to Kelsey because Kelsey has um, you're volunteering a lot of other committees right Kelsey And so you have sort of a, to my feeling a, a better understanding of sort of the ACS and the committee work and volunteer. Could you just tell us what, what is that committee work that you do and, and, and sort of what, what has prompted you to, to become
4: um, you know, so involved in, in the work of the ACS? Absolutely. So I'm the past chair of the certification committee, and this is the committee that oversees the CCP exam, the Certified Cheese Professional exam. And we, we develop the questions, we organize it and uh, run the exam each year. And we also developed the, the taste test, which is the sensory evaluation exam. So that's been uh, something that I've been involved with for the past eight years or so, but I really try to volunteer for the ACS wherever and however possible. Uh, so I've led a number of sessions at the annual conference each year, and uh, was even uh, one of the official conference cheesemongers back in 2014 in sacramento (laughs) so that was that involved organizing all the back of house and making sure that cheese made it out to uh, every tasting session in time and in the best condition possible
3: well a lot of a lot of volunteer work and you know probably some of our listeners know that you know a lot of the work of acs is actually done by the volunteers and that, uh, and especially now that, that the organization has changed so much, so much of the work is still doing, doing, being done by the volunteers. So did, did you have any specific goal in mind when you, when you joined the um, outreach, the GIL outreach committee? Kelsey?
4: So when I joined, Sarah Spira had reached out to me because we had been talking about how to best support small artisan cheese producers during the pandemic, because really they are the ones that are the most vulnerable, most at risk to uh, major swings in changes in the market and what what customers want. So I joined not as an expert on cheese guilds, I joined because I wanted to learn uh, and I also want to build community. I really uh, am passionate about connecting people and uh, connecting people to each other and the resources that they need to be successful. So that's, that's why I joined. That's great. Um,
3: this is a perfect moment, I think, to take a, a little break before we go into the actual work that we did, because uh, I think it'll be very interesting for people to hear what we did and, and hopefully what has been achieved. Uh, but we're gonna take a little break here and we'll be back after a brief announcement from our supporters.
2: This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté Cheese Association represents the Comté PDO, Comté Protected Designation of Origin, in the USA. Comté is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Comté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Comté. Comté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineur on average, each wheel of Comté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Comté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Comté is unique. Learn more about Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura mountains of France Favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at conte-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com.
1: HrN and Cutting the Curd runs on listener support. So if you love curd nerd news and you're a fan of cheese trends and you want to listen to awesome cheesemaker profiles, then the best way is to support our show and become an HrN member. Set up a monthly recurring donation of any amount, be it $1, $5, $10, and choose this show in the designation drop-down menu. That is, cutting the curve. You can count on me each week to make this show, along with our other awesome guest hosts, and let's work together to keep this show going. At HRN, we like to give our regular special treatment, so sign up, become a monthly donor, and you'll get access to our very special secret menu, where we've gathered exclusive discounts and offers from some of our favorite food and beverage brands. Also, we have insider pricing. What's cooler than insider pricing? And it'll all ship right to your door. So join our community of monthly donors, and special deals will come your way throughout the entire season. So become a monthly standing member. Please check out heritageradionetwork.org donate.
3: Welcome back, everyone. I am Carlos Jeskos, your guest host for the day. I am talking with Katie Bray and Kelsey Parsons on the support network created to help cheese guilds around the U.S. during the pandemic. Um, Before we went into a break, we had introduced ourselves, talked a little bit about what we wanted uh, when we joined the uh, ACS Gill Outreach Committee. And now we are going to tell you a little bit of what we actually did, um, which I kind of very proud of the things that we did and and love to hear from katie and kelsey on on how that work went and sort of what hopefully what impact it had um so let me start with katie um could you help me and you know tell the listeners what what is that we did during the 2000 trying to help cheesemakers or gills rather
5: uh, it seemed like the, the first order of business was just figuring out who the folks were that we should be reaching out to and including in this. So there had been a spreadsheet, I think, managed by the ACS over the years um, that had varying people from different parts of the country. And, and many of the guilds don't have a, most of the guilds, in fact, don't have a paid staff person. And so depending on whoever the the volunteer industry person was who happened to be Heading up that guild, that could change every single year. Um, so just just identifying who all of those folks were was was really the first order of business.
3: Well, <laughs> that was that was really the, trying to figure out who was on the ground so that we could hear uh, from from the ground, and I and we kind of separated the country between uh, the four of us. And started calling people uh, to see, because uh, we wanted to hear what was happening in, in the ground everywhere. everywhere. Um, so, you know, we, st- we started doing this work. We started meeting uh, regularly. And then we had one big meeting. I, I remember that big meeting. I think we had um, 10 different people from different guilds. What was your feeling? Do you I don't know if you remember that meeting, but what was your feeling after hearing one after the other of, you know, everything is close? Do you remember, Katie?
5: I remember feeling a huge sense of relief when we had that meeting because just connecting with other people who were going through the same thing at the same time, after several weeks of a real sense of, isolation and, uh, you know, panic and not knowing what was going on just to have a bunch of faces looking back at you during that time who were experiencing the same kinds of emotions and, uh, you know, all trying to figure out how we can help our cheesemakers and how we can operate and what are we going to do about canceling everything and how long was this going to last? And just all the questions we were asking ourselves, it was, it was just very comforting to, um, to be in good
3: company, I think. Right, um, those those early meetings, uh, you know, were, were a lot of checking and hearing what was happening in different regions, and then at some point something changed. Um, not only we had the check-ins with all of the guilds and everything, but the the leaders of other guilds around the United States and and and. Really got to the point that they were ready for action. and and what was that they demanded? Do you remember, Katie?
5: The thing that I remember early on that was meaningful, at least um in my own experience, was in Washington state, um, Lindsay Slaven from uh, Tw- uh, Twin Sisters Creamery up there had worked with, she had previously been in on the retail side um, and in distribution and knew that world. And she put together a promotion with a distributor and um, some, some retailers up in Washington state where they asked all of those folks to take a little bit of a cut in their usual margins in order to help the cheese makers move some real volume. And at that time, um, you know, as Kelsey mentioned, while the a lot of the types of products or the way that they were packaged was changing, the retail world in general was doing pretty well. And so just connecting those dots and, and making what was happening on the retail side work for some of those small cheese makers, it was kind of an aha moment for me. And so then I took, the, some of those learnings and approached our key distributors and retailers in Oregon and asked for a, the same kind of ask. And, you know, again, as Kelsey mentioned, there are so many folks out there who wanted to help and we're asking the question of how can we help? What can we do for these cheesemakers? And so I think that was a real meaningful way for um, all of our partners to come together and help the folks that were most in need um, and so just sharing those kinds of experiences and ideas that were working. So as you said, you're right, there was a point in there where things started to change from just uh, reacting to be able to get out there and be proactive in some of the things that we were doing. and we could share with each other what was what was successful in different parts of the country. And that was just incredibly um, uh, empowering and insightful.
3: Right, it was it was really empowering, I think, and so I want to bring in Kelsey here just to because you know so much of the work we did was in the United States, just because the gills were uh, mostly in the United States. But you know, obviously there 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 were cheesemakers in other parts of the world, specifically with Kelsey working with, with Canadian ones, um, and I work a little bit with with Mexican cheesemakers as well, so. Kelsey, what was your feeling about sort of did did the cheesemakers in Canada got a sense that you know things were happening the same way did did they feel like you know they were being supported the same way or did you get some of the the things that were happening in the United States um, to sort of help out in, in that way and and you know specifically as a as a retailer which you know has so much knowledge of what was happening on the
4: ground too? So in terms of our guild, the Southern Ontario Cheese Guild, we've actually been on hold. We've been on pause since the beginning of the pandemic. Our members decided that they prefer to meet in person and learn and grow together. And that just didn't translate to the the virtual environment. Uh, we, We tried it, but it didn't work. So I think the benefits in Canada have really yet to be realized. I think there's a lot of potential, and one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most is uh even greater unity within provinces and across the country between all cheesemakers. Well,
3: that's that's good to that's good to hear and good to know. Um I wanna to touch on um you know something that I think was very useful. Um, you know, Me as you know, someone that works in the industry and in many parts and trying to do these connections, um, one of the things that was very useful for for me is to hear directly from um, sort of the underground, the the people that were actually you know having to put you know, throw out milk or their cheese was disappearing and just sharing that knowledge out to the consumers and getting those consumers to realize that you know if we wanted to protect these cheeses and these cheesemakers we needed to sell. And 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 you know like Katie says, there was that sort of sense of community that we built. Do you all think that you know that um you know that was very powerful to me, but do you think that the cheesemakers feel like that was a very powerful thing that we were able to achieve? Um and you know any of you can j- jump in. <laughs>
5: Um, I do think that that was a really, um, a a really powerful thing that was happening. And I think that it definitely translated, especially the sales initiatives. Um, And, and one of those that, you know, I don't know if this is allowed to turn this back on you, Carlos, but uh, the, the victory box concept, would you share a little bit about that? Because that was something um, that we were able to take advantage of here in Oregon and I got some of our retail partners involved with. So that's maybe worth a, a little bit of a mention talking about how that program came together.
3: <laughs> sure. Um, and and I think this is a nice way to say also because there's a, there's a show that I think Kara, uh, one the main hosts of Cutting the Court did on um, Victory Cheese and it you know is a great topic if, if uh, listeners want to to listen to that. But just to share, we also uh, on a very different venue we started getting together in these meetings that you know maybe were, you know as at some point there were like thirty people, um, uh, cheese makers, gear leaders, um, the ACS, uh, of, you know myself with the Old West Cheese Coalition, and really trying to figure out how to help people and. Very early on, what we saw that was very successful was um, a campaign that happened here in England uh, where Jamie Oliver, the chef, went out and sort of had partner with Neil Yarderi and they had advertising to say, save British cheesemakers and they will sell cheese boxes and those cheese boxes sort of save, you know, dozens of cheesemakers here in in England and so we started thinking in the U.S. how can we do that as well in in the United States and so we that's when the sort of idea the first idea of the boxes came and then Molly Brown now with the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association um, got the idea of calling it victory cheese and then it it kind of became this boxes idea uh with with the help of all all of us you know putting our connections together, bringing in retailers and and um promotions and everything um so thank you for 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 mentioning that that was a very little segue way here um but I do want to go back to you know sort of this question of what we think is sort of the impact of this volunteering work that we did, um, on on cheesemakers and and maybe Kelsey can share here as well. Um, sort of what what you think is sort of you you started saying something about what is the the sort of power that this will be realized later on, maybe in Toronto when when your guild starts meeting again.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um. Guilds and uh, the cheesemakers that they represent have had to learn a lot and grow and change uh, over the past year. So, in the early days of our guild leaders network, uh, we were discussing how. Um, a lot of cheesemakers were turning to online sales for the first time. It was something that they were learning about together and they were sharing their best practices and their favorite sites and platforms to use. So it's those kind of details that I think really helped a lot of cheesemakers get through parts of the pandemic. And that was uh, shared via their guild leaders. Um, but there's also so much more to come. Uh, from my perspective, uh, the Southern Ontario Cheese Guild is very small, it's very grassroots, and we don't have any official structure. We don't have any um, any. Revenue, really. The only revenue that we get is passing a hat around the table and everybody pitches in a few dollars if there's some cheese that we want to sample and go out and buy. So that's our only revenue source. Whereas other cheese guilds that are part of this leaders network, they have uh, bank accounts, they have paid (laughs) staff, they have formal structures and fundraising campaigns. So we're all learning and growing together and sharing what works and what doesn't. And, you know, all of our discussions really remind me of years ago when I was cut, listening to Cutting the Curd, uh, Greg Blaze was the host. And one of the things that he would say quite frequently is that a rising tide raises all ships. And that. That thought and that uh, feeling is really present in the Guild Leaders Network. Everybody's working together. And by doing so, we're just going to strengthen the industry as a whole.
3: Yeah, that's such a hopeful message. And I think a great way to um, sort of know what's next. Um, for for our listeners, I have moved to England. And uh, as part of the move, I I... I I stepped out uh, from the Guild Outreach Committee, uh, knowing that you know Katie and, and Kelsey have been doing amazing work, and um, and that you know they could follow it. Uh, so I am just now excited to hear what is what is next for your committee and what is what what is that you are all planning. Katie, you want to share?
5: Well, one of the really great things that came out of this was that you know at some point last fall, toward the end of last year things did start to settle um, and, be, and stabilize to a certain extent and, and be a little bit more, um, you know, predictable. Life became at least a little bit more predictable. And so it gave us a chance to take a step back and say, you know, now that we've created this thing, where do we go from here? And so we did a brainstorming session with all the folks who'd been attending and people got to pitch in ideas and say, you know, hey, this is a topic I have really been wanting to hear about from others. Um, or, you know, this is something that we could really use some help with. And so we did a formal survey, a formal, but survey monkey survey. Um, and we were able to identify certain key topics um, and then prioritize them. And they seemed to fall into one of two buckets, uh, which was either uh, lent themselves to like bringing in an outside speaker, spending a full hour on it, going into a deep dive on a certain topic. Or something that we just really wanted to hear from other folks on. So we recently did one on um, what is your revenue stream breakdown? Is it from mostly from industry dues or events or grants or things like that? Um, and how everybody, so everybody got to take it, uh, you know, five minutes and talk about how their own guilds did it. Um, we've also done one on how to provide uh, meaningful programming and value for guild members. So that was more of a deep dive where um, we spent longer on it one one or two speakers on that topic um, and then we also do rotate in on some of these monthly calls uh, an update from ACS so ACS might want to talk to us about what's coming up at conference or what's happening with their their leadership structure so we now have this really nice rotating structure where um, you know every three months we get a deep dive or we you know, the other one we do are a round robin or an ACS update. So it's given us some real structure and a great starting point with a lot of meaty topics for us to dig into.
3: That sounds great. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good way for you know some of these um, guild leaders, which normally um, you know are, are, are providing services for their members, to really connect with each other and and you know be able to share with other people that have some of the same, same challenges, um, I guess uh, if could you could you share with the listeners what guilds are represented? Um, do you all remember which ones? I don't remember more, but if if any of you can share.
4: There are literally dozens of guilds that have attended and the the ones that do change um, sometimes um, you know there's new ones joining each time and we're always so excited to see uh, new people join and share a little bit about their region and their cheese makers so i i didn't know that there was so many cheese guilds across uh, the u.s and canada but it's been really eye-opening and really exciting seeing everybody get very involved.
3: And so, of course, if you are listening and you're a cheesemaker and you don't know if your gill is joining, you know, always you can always ask. If not, uh, there's many states that don't have gills, um, and, you know, they we would love to uh, hear from you and, and and know what other people are doing. I think there is a, a real benefit in in joining these conversations and and hearing um some of some of the things that I have been working on um so before we go, I would love to hear um wh- what's going on in your own organizations what is uh, the plans ahead uh, as we prepare. Uh, sort of for the the rest of the summer and then the fall, which, you know, hopefully will be good sales for everyone uh, of cheese. Uh, Katie, you wanna start?
5: Uh, We have some really exciting things coming up. We're actually planning for our first in-person event back again we'll be bringing back um the wedge which is our consumer event that happens in october the first saturday in october in portland and i'm actually touring a new venue tomorrow that's kind of a warehouse space so it has an open air feel but it is covered just in case we get one of those rainy uh pacific northwest days Uh, we'll have some protection but it'll be i think open air enough where people will feel Safe. And so just kind of figuring out what that looks like um, and how we lay it out and what kinds of changes that we make. I know one thing that we are going to incorporate, which actually helps to touch on another thing that came out of this guild networking group, is a a takeaway bag and a virtual component to our main event. So one of the, the the things that people were asking when we were in the heart of this last summer was how could we take some of our events virtual? And I saw that there was a cider event that they were putting together tasting kits and assembling, um, you know, a six pack of Oregon ciders and then consumers could come and pick them up. And then they did a virtual online event. So I actually asked the director of that event to come on one of our guild network zooms and share with us, the logistics of pulling off a virtual event, so that was the seed that was planted for three different virtual events that we ended up doing here um, and in Oregon at the Oregon Cheese Guild. And for many consumers, you know, some people just don't like crowds, or some people can't make it that day, and but they still wanted to be able to participate. Or, you know, some just are happy to have a curated sampling of. 10 to 15 Oregon local cheeses. Um, so that was something that we heard both from our cheesemakers and from our consumer fans that they wanted to continue. So in addition to the in-person part of it, we will also be offering a um, hundred tasting kits for folks to take away. And, and we'll have some kind of a, an online you know, video event for them to participate in after the fact.
3: Well, wow, that sounds like a very full uh, schedule of events, and and it's so exciting. I would love to try ciders from from Oregon and some cheese. Uh, good luck with the with that program, Katie. Kelsey, um, are you also planning for a for a, maybe a in person meeting in Ontario?
4: We are indeed. Yeah, we've been talking about hosting the the first in person uh, meeting uh, coming up soon, and it's probably going to be on a farm with a bonfire and some beers, sharing some stories about uh, how we've all made it through the past year and a half. But coming out of that, I think the real focus is going to be about greater unity, both within the the province and the localized region, but also nationally. Because throughout the pandemic, we've learned distance is no longer an obstacle. Mm-hmm. We're all so familiar with uh, virtual uh, meetings and um, like Zoom calls and everything, that we can bring in cheesemakers from across the country. And over the past year, I've heard from cheesemakers in Newfoundland, in Manitoba, and Alberta, where there's no other artisan cheesemaker within like hundreds of kilometers. Mm-hmm. So they, they all feel like they're living on an island, working by themselves with nobody to connect with. Um, and I think... By bringing in a virtual aspect to the the guild, we'll be able to create that that unity and that togetherness that we've been missing.
3: Wonderful. And um, Kelsey, how can people find out more about uh, the the cheese makers if they're in Canada about the work that you're doing or you know the consumers if if there's anything for consumers uh, in Oregon and, sorry in Ontario.
4: Um, in terms of the Southern Ontario Cheese Guild, we're super grassroots. We don't have any, um, any social media or anything for the organization, but there's so many fantastic uh, cheesemakers in the area. So if you just Google Ontario and cheesemaker, um, there's going to be so many that show up. And uh, if you're interested in getting involved, you can always reach out to me on social media and we'd love to uh, include more people.
3: Thank you, Kelsey and Katie. How can listeners, um, if they're in Oregon or the um, or they're basically maybe Portland, um, participate of these events? How can they find out more?
5: You can always look on our website at OregonCheeseguild dot org to find out more about what we've got going on. Or another good way is to follow. Um, or like our Facebook page, and it's just, if you look up Oregon Cheese Guild, you can find us. Um, I'm always posting about whatever kinds of local and um, national opportunities there are for consumers who love Oregon cheese to get some in their mouths.
3: (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for both of you for your time today. Uh, it has been wonderful to to reconnect and to share uh, some of the work that we did during the, the pandemic. And hopefully, we learn a lot um, to help to keep helping cheesemakers.
5: Thank you, Carlos, so much for everything that you did on on this group and everything that you do uh, in the rest of your your work and your day jobs and all the volunteer things you do. Thank
4: you. Thank you so much, Carlos. And a big shout out to Sarah Spira, because the Guild Leaders Network would not be what it is today without her uh, passionate involvement.
5: 100 percent. She was amazing to work with and really was the, the engine that was pushing the whole initiative forward for all those months.
3: Definitely. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much. Listeners, if you want to know more about the work that other volunteers are doing in our industry, make sure to tune in to the ACS annual conference. A group of us will be engaging with you for the virtual conference and hope to bring content that is relevant to all of us. This episode was produced by me. I thank the support of the sound engineers today, Amanda, help us, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. If you haven't visited their website, please do so. They have a brand new look. Um, I also encourage you to follow them online. If you like, also follow Cutting the Court on Instagram and look at our new art. Again, I am Carlos Jeskas, and it is a pleasure to host the show and to hear your feedback. Please reach out with your comments. Bye.